everyone, this is Larry from WSTrades.com. This podcast is about trading stocks and stock options. Any information in these podcasts should not be construed as advice. It's for educational and entertainment purposes only. We are not financial advisors. Hey everybody, it's Larry from WS Trades. This episode is going to be a little bit different. Uh, James had to fly to New York this weekend, so he just pre-recorded his closing trades and uh, some stuff that he got into and stuff he's looking to get into. So I'm going to play that uh, right off the bat, and I'll jump back in and continue the rest of the podcast. So for last week, I was able to get into several trades, so I had a lot of opening trades. Uh, one of them was on QQQ. So I sold a one white iron condor there, uh, expiring June 18th. So that is for the June monthly contracts. I'm also on MJ. I sold an iron condor. That was also for June 18th. Um, KRE, that is a regional banking ETF. I sold a one white iron condor there. Uh, That was June 18th. So all these trades for last week were targeting the June monthlies. Also, JETS. That's a U.S. Global Jets ETF. I sold a one white iron condor there. And also for the Russell 2000, uh, IWM is the ticker. So I sold a one white iron condor there as well. So I was able to get into five new trades last week and uh, get on some more positions and build out some more trades for the June monthly contracts. And then I didn't have anything closing Um I was hoping that the NASDAQ, the NQ, Micro Futures, would sell off a little more. They had a pretty decent pullback. I want to say it was like five, 600-point pullback. And I was looking for about a 700-point pullback. Um, and then things kind of ripped late in the week last week, so I was not able to go long on NQ, the NASDAQ uh, Micro E-Mini Futures. But... Um, so I was not able to get into that. I was kind of hoping, but uh, we'll kind of see what happens. I know we're trying to blast off again and head back up towards the uh, all-time high on NQ, but we'll kind of see if uh, it sets a new high here or not. And if it doesn't and things start to sell off again and head back down, I'll be looking to go long there again. But I wasn't able to do that this past week. So looking into the future in this upcoming week, I definitely had my eye on a couple tickers. Uh, SPY, I would like to get a position on in SPY for June 18th. And also XLRE, which is a real estate uh, sector fund. So I'd like to get a trade on there, a neutral position on that as well. I think last time I tried to get filled on this, um, maybe earlier in the month or maybe late April, Uh, I think the strikes or the volume just wasn't where I wanted it. So I'm probably going to take a look again at XLRE. But I definitely want to get into more than two trades in this upcoming week. So these are two that I've definitely looked at that I want to get into. But I'm probably going to get into three additional trades. I just need to do a little more digging and look into uh, some more uh, high implied volatility ETFs. But yeah, I'll definitely get on more than these two trades in the upcoming week. So that is the stuff I am looking to get into upcoming and the five trades that I got into this past week. All right, everybody, I'm back. This is Larry from WS Trades. Now I am going to go over my closing trades and some adjustments that I made and uh, some stuff I'm looking at getting into next week. 
So the only closing trade I technically had was HIG uh, that finished completely out of the money on the short put spread I had. So I went uh, max profit on that. X, I got into a uh, call debit spread on them because they were playing off of a trend line perfectly. I went long the spread and I was up, I believe, 75% uh, profit within one day because I made such a massive move. So I ended up closing that position and then they looked so overextended. I went long the uh, 22 and a half put on them that expires on the 14th. Uh, they rallied on Friday. I was up early Friday. They had been dying off. I probably should have closed it out for, uh, I could have doubled my money on it, but I held on to it. They still, you know, they rallied on Friday, but X makes such massive moves. You know, I'm going to hold on to it and see if they can, you know, die back down to that, um, that trend line and I can make a nice profit on this. Um, SOS, SOS, I, you know, I'm still holding those shares that I've been running the wheel on the hundred shares and I didn't sell a call on them this week because they had earnings on uh, Thursday or Friday and they had pretty good news and had a nice like 7% pop and then just got shorted to oblivion. They just died hard. And then I looked at the fundamentals and now uh, the shorting or the short volume on them is up like 54%. So I didn't want to sell a call because the most I could get for it was anywhere from 10 to $5, depending on you know how far out of the money it was. I didn't want to miss any sort of uh, short squeeze on these guys for you know a 10 or $5 profit when you know I could make massive amounts if there's some sort of a, if they make a nice move up. And, you know, everyone that's short has to cover their uh, positions. So that I'm still holding the shares. Uh, Snap, I had the put credit spread on them. And they have just been dying super hard. So I ended up uh, opening a call spread, the 61 and a half, 60 call uh, spread. Same expiration. So I turned this into an iron condor. Um, They had a nice rally on Friday. But. You know, hopefully I kind of trade within that range. Uh, this doesn't expire until the 21st of May. So hopefully I trade in that range. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, here we go. HPE. HPE, I went long shares because I've been working on this new strategy and I got a buy signal on it. So I'm just kind of testing out uh, what the P&E is going to be once I get a sell signal on them. So I'll definitely get, let you guys know how this works out because... Uh, back testing it it's been working really well on the back testing but you know it doesn't mean anything until you start throwing money at something so i figured shoot i'll just i'll do it i got the buy signal on uh hpe and you know we'll see where it i'm up right now so we'll see how far this thing drives before i get a sell signal and see if it works out uh forward ford's looking great i may close this out on monday um just because I'm up 75% right now on the 11 and a half, 11 put spread that I have on them that expires this Friday. But uh, they don't, you know, there's such a low cost stock. They're really close to the money right now. And I'm up 75%. So depending if they can, you know, at least stay flat, I'll probably be closing this thing out uh, Monday morning. 
and FSR. If you guys are subscribed to the YouTube channel, you know I screwed the pooch on this one hard. So FSR, I've been rolling this thing for, I think, over a month at this point. And I'm just, I'm still at my initial uh, profit that I sold the the spread for. Well, Friday morning came around and I was like, okay, this thing is deep in the money. So I'm either going max loss or hopefully I can roll it out to another date. I looked at the charts and they're trading in this super tight triangle and they're just about at the peak of it. So usually when something's trading in a triangle, once it gets to the end, either the buyers or the sellers take control and it makes a substantial move either up and down or down. And just so happens they have earnings on Monday. So I normally, I don't like taking a debit to roll something. Like if I can do it for a, just a tiny uh, profit or, um, or sorry, a tiny credit or break even, I'm fine with that. But I knew I was going to be, because this thing's so deep in the money and it was expiring that day, I knew I was going to have to incur some sort of debit. So I ended up uh, putting a fill order or a limit order to roll this thing out for 50% of the credit that I already taken in. And it was trading at like $22. It said to roll it. And I got filled at $15. So I was like, oh, cool. I think I filled immediately for less than I thought it was. Like, I didn't think I was going to get a fill and I'm just going to go max loss on this thing. So I thought, all right, I'm going to see, since the options are obviously pricing for some sort of a move, I'm going to see if I can get that money back by rolling out one more week. So I go to the next, uh, check the pricing. If I was to roll it out for another week and I see $15. So I'm like, oh, cool. Boom. Hit it then realized that I had taken another debit. So basically I made a really dumb mistake. And right now I am just, if Fisker goes to, you know, $80 tomorrow, I can just break even, you know, and not lose any money on this. I can't make any money on it. So hopefully they go to $80 tomorrow and I can close out of this and just be done with it. I don't like taking debits like this, but like I said, I'm, you know, looking at the chart, I feel like, and especially with earnings on Monday, I feel like, you know, there's going to be a move higher. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If this thing goes against me, if they start, you know, dying off and I was wrong, then I'm just going to be out of this play. Just, you know, take the loss. Cause one thing uh, you need to do is, if you have a play that's going against you, then, you know, you can roll it out. But if you keep rolling it out, you're just investing more time and that capital that's, you know, invested in rolling this. I could have been putting that towards, you know, looking at another good setup and putting that capital towards another setup that, you know, looks a lot better than just, you know, crossing my fingers and hoping Fisker goes a certain direction. So, like I said, if this thing doesn't, if they don't pop super hard on uh, this week, then I'm just going to close it out and, you know, take my, take my lumps or actually I have two weeks out because, you know, I took my super massive debit. So uh, if they don't, I'm not rolling this thing again. If they don't make it past $15, then I'll just be done with them. 
dumb mistake, but you know, it happens. Never trade before you've had your coffee. Uh, let me look up my trades that I was looking at getting into next week. Uh, one thing that looks like it's setting up for a nice move up is you, 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 you. Uh, they're trading off of this 21. They're on this nice uptrend. Everything is good to me on them. Um, so I'll definitely be keeping an eye on that. JWN, they've been making some pretty good moves, and now they're about where I'd like to see them to go long again or you know sell some premium and sell some puts on them. Uh, they have that nice run up after earnings or going into earnings and after earnings. So I made last time I played them, I made quite a bit of money and they're trading about where I'd like to see them again. So, you know, they made an, they were up 3.7% on Friday. So I want to see how they react Monday morning before I go in again. Cause you know, that's a nice move for them, but uh, I feel like they're still going to start, uh, still trending higher. So, you know, keep an eye on that. Another one that I've been looking at for quite a while, waiting for a nice setup, is OXY. Uh, they've been now that right now they're trading perfectly off of the twenty-one EMA. Again, they too made a nice, you know, massive move, or not massive, but you know, two point seven percent is pretty good move on Friday. So I don't know if they're going to come back down to the mean, the 21 EMA, um, or if they're just going to continue trekking higher. I think overall they're trending higher. So keep an eye on that. I might be able to get a better fill on Monday if they come back down to that 21. So it's another one. Um, NIO. So NIO, again, been watching these guys for a while. And we've got really nice support level. At about thirty five fifty or thirty four fifty, sorry. So they've been dying off even after earnings. They had good earnings, but they're still kind of trekking down to that two ATR level, which is coincides with uh, that really long support level of about thirty five fifty. So I think if they hit thirty five fifty, I'm just going to wait for that. Um, and depending on which way they go, if they dip below 3550 and stay there if they close on the daily under 3550 then i will probably be shorting this thing because you know look out below you'd see nio to 10 bucks if that happens but i have a feeling they're going to rock it off hard once they hit that nice long support level at around 3550 i think they're going to start shooting off again especially you know with good earnings uh they had nice sales and everything so it's another thing i'm looking at and the topic I wanted to go over today was because it's kind of still in the news. I you really didn't hear about it a lot for quite a while uh, until the GameStop fiasco, and that's the short squeeze and you know what shorting is in general. So before you uh, can understand what a short squeeze is, you need to understand what shorting a stock is and you know how it's done. So. If you want to short a stock, you need to borrow it from someone that owns it in order to sell it. Because, you know, obviously, if you don't have, we'll just, you know, do one share. If you don't own a share of, say, Apple, then you can't sell it. But if I borrow a share from someone, i.e., my broker, 
then I can sell it. So if you wanted to short something, you would, you know, and this is just done, you know, just on the platform. You don't call anyone and say this, but you would go to your broker and say, hey, I want to borrow a share of Apple and I'm going to use really round numbers just to make it easy. Say Apple's trading at a hundred bucks. I'm going to borrow your share and I'll give it back to you shortly because Apple's way overbought right now. They're not worth a hundred bucks. Broker says, okay, I'll loan you this share, but I'm going to charge you a percentage like you're renting it. So, you know, I've seen rates from around 2% to 10%. It just depends on what the actual underlying is and how volatile it is. So, you know, just remember you have to pay a fee for borrowing that share. So, okay, I borrow a share of Apple and Apple's trading at a hundred bucks. I sell that for a hundred bucks. If we're right, then, you know, say Apple declines to 70 bucks then we can buy that share back for $70, give it to our broker. Now he's covered, he's got his share, but you get to keep the difference in, you know, what it is. So, you know, from $100 that you sold it at to $70 that you bought it back at, you made $30 on that. So that's how shorting works. Um, Hopefully I explained that easy enough. It's basically you're just, you know, selling something you don't have. So you have to borrow it from someone. Now, when a squeeze happens is if something is heavily shorted, say like GameStop, GameStop, I knew something fishy was going on and I still haven't had it gotten a decent explanation on it. I haven't searched super hard, but I've searched good enough that I was months ahead of it. I literally just Googled most shorted stocks. And when I went long GameStop shares, GameStop was shorted 125%. So there were more short shares than there were actual shares available for this company. So I knew something crazy was going to happen when people had to cover their shorts. So a short squeeze happens when if you borrow a share from someone, you don't necessarily have control of that. If they tell you, hey, I want my shares back then you need to cover if you know when GameStop started making big moves up people that either got scared and were like oh crap I need to cover this because I'm gonna have to buy this back at some point I'm gonna you know just like if you set up a a stop loss when you're long something and the price starts going down same thing happens when people short things they'll set up a stop you know if it goes up then they're gonna cover that and they're gonna buy it but if you borrow a share from your broker, they can at any time call you and be like, uh, I want my shares back and you need to cover it. So that's why you get super violent moves like you had on uh, GameStop and AMC and Macy's is you don't have full control over uh, when you can buy it. Like if you were super bearish on GameStop and they were going through that massive rally and you're like, no, this isn't going to last. Well, you don't really have a choice in it. If your broker calls you and tells you they want their shares back, then you need to cover and buy the shares back and give them their share. So it's basically what happens uh, with short squeezes is 
you have massive amounts of shorted uh, game stuff. Like I said, 120% shorted and everyone jumping into cover. So they, they're buying. And you know, if there's, if you just buy at market and buy at market and buy at market, the price keeps going up and up and up and up because there are really no, uh, sellers at that point everyone was trying to just buy 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 no one was trying to sell it anymore people were just trying to cover their butts and get out of the play so that's basically what a a short squeeze is when there's a massive amount of people trying to cover their shorts at one time prices just go through the roof so i mean if you're interested in uh finding the most shorted stocks then they typically they're the most volatile stocks because you see a lot of uh, short covering and it's not usually uh, to the extremes that GameStop was, but they're really uh, volatile stocks. Like um, I believe it's EYES is well was very shorted. Uh, like I said, SOS I think they're only at twelve uh, percent generally, but they're short month to month is up like 52%. So, you know, if you're looking for big moves, big volatile moves, then you can look for uh shorted stocks, but you're not really going to find especially after GameStop, you're going to find something that's shorted 120%. And usually if you have a very highly shorted stock, it's for a reason, like the company's crap. Like I honestly GameStop should not be anywhere where it's at. Now that they've got this massive influx in capital, they're talking about changing things and, oh, we're going to update this and update that. Well, that's why they were heavily shorted. You know, to the extreme, they shouldn't have been shorted over 100%. But, you know, they weren't doing anything that made them a viable company uh, to begin with. Like, you know, just because they have a massive amount of capital to work with after the squeeze you know, they got lucky, I I guess is the best way of putting it. They usually shorted stocks or heavily shorted stocks are heavily shorted for a reason because they're crap companies. So you kind of, if you're looking for short squeezes, I'd keep my positions size small and, you know, wait for the big bounces that you'll see. But, you know, just know that, that they're shorted for a reason. And that's all I got for you guys today. Uh, Sorry about the weird format again. Uh, James will be flying back this week. So next week podcast will be back to regular format where we can kind of banter off of each other. Uh, Thanks for listening and have a good one. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode of the WS Trades podcast. If you are not subscribed to this podcast, please subscribe. Also head over to YouTube and search for WS Trades. You'll find us there as well. We've got trading updates as we make our trades over there and also educational videos so you can learn about different strategies within the stock market and options trading. And also please head over to wstrades.com. Thanks again.